Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Haley Kerstetter, digital editor at thehorse.com. Tonight, we're talking about creating a nutrition plan for the competition horse. Good nutrition and a balanced diet are important for all horses, but what do we need to consider for competition horses specifically? This event is sponsored by Purina Animal Nutrition. To answer your questions, we are joined by two expert panelists, Dr. Shannon Pratt-Phillips of North Carolina State University and Dr. Anna Pesta-Dunaway of Purina. Thank you both for being here. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Dr. Pratt-Phillips, can you tell us a little about your background in equine nutrition? You bet. Um, I grew up in Toronto, Canada, and I rode um, for, you know, growing up and stuff. And in university, I was trying to figure out my path and realized that I could have a really profound impact on horse health by studying nutrition. And I continued on. And so my undergrad was in nutrition. And then I went to University of Kentucky for my master's degree in horse nutrition. And then I went back to Canada for my PhD. And I started teaching at North Carolina State University in 2006 um, as a, you know, so, uh, assistant professor. Um, and I moved up the ranks. And so now I'm a full professor of equine nutrition at, at North Carolina State. Um, and I still ride. I've got a, you know, a Belgian warm blood that we show hunters and my daughter's got a pony and still, you know, in the industry doing all the things. Great, thank you. And Dr. Pesta Dunaway, what do you do in your role at Purina and what is your background? Yeah, I'm a horse girl from way back. And um, once I finished grad school and was looking for a nutrition job out in the world, I realized that being in technical services in the industry is a great way to kind of bridge the gap from being involved in R&D, but then also being out in quote unquote, the real world and helping horse owners day to day. So I'm on what we call the technical services team at Purina. And there are several of us on the team that only focus on horse. And we do a lot of kind of helping the R&D team, but also taking what they learn out to the world and speaking at conferences and supporting the sales team. And we travel half the time and we're in barns building you know, feeding programs and speaking at all kinds of vet conferences and horse owner meetings and doing this sort of thing. So how reaching the people. Awesome. Before we start answering questions, I want to remind everyone listening of our Ask the Horse Live format. We're starting with questions that were submitted during registration. If you're listening live and would like to submit a question, please do so via the chat window. We'll do our best to get to as many of you as possible if you're listening to the podcast recording of this event and would like to join us live in the future, please visit askthehorse.com slash askthehorselive to register for notifications. And with that, we're going to jump into our questions. Dr. Pratt Phillips, Ashley would like to know how the type of exercise a horse is doing impacts their diet. So that's a great question because um, obviously we have so many different sports that horses can do. Um, in general, we can kind of try to describe our sports as either being really high intensity exercise or lower intensity exercise. So our higher intensity ones would be things like racehorses, um, maybe our high level eventers, polo horses, 
um, maybe some of our top um, you know, barrel racers, those that are getting their heart rates really, really high. And so because those horses are working at such high intensity, they actually need a lot of muscle glycogen to be able to fuel that type of exercise. And so those horses actually need a decent amount of starch in their diet so that it can provide the glucose that can make muscle glycogen. Meanwhile, horses that are doing perhaps more lower intensity exercise, and it's not that it's not a lot of exercise because our insurance horses would be in this category, but just the overall intensity is a little bit lower. So their maximum heart rates are gonna be a low, little bit lower. And because these horses don't have to produce uh, energy quite as quickly, they can actually generate more calories coming from fat. And so those horses can deal with a little bit lower starch and sugar in their diet and perhaps a few more calories coming from fat and even from fiber. So it really depends on what type of exercise you're doing. And then from there, you can kind of look at your ingredients and try to make sure that the calories that you're feeding are coming from the right sources. Great, thank you. And Dr. Dunaway, Linda in Australia asks how she can determine the nutritional needs of a variety of competition horses in her barn. Well, I think the easiest way to go in your barn and evaluate whether your feeding program's working or not, or if you're meeting their needs is to do periodic body condition scoring, just see if everyone is um, got their ribs covered and just physically they're their outward fatness level. So that at least tells you if you've got the calories right, but then we all know you can be fat and shiny, but not necessarily have all your nutrient needs met. So when you go the next level deeper than that and wanna decide if they're getting their amino acids and vitamins and minerals properly met, um, if you want to really get into it, you can go online and there's an online tool from the NRC that you can plug in the horse weight and what they do and it'll show you the different actual book requirements for some of the established uh, vitamins and minerals, for example. However, I generally recommend that the best thing to do is just to make sure that you've got everyone on a feed that is been formulated by people who know what they're doing and have followed the research and the data. And then you're feeding at an appropriate rate for that horse and their stage of life. So not feeding a growing baby a senior feed or not feeding a you know easy keeping competition horse just a handful of high fat feed. We wanna make sure we're matching the horse type to a product that's suitable for them. So you aren't way under delivering nutrients and you're picking something that's concentrated enough in nutrients to match their calorie needs. So usually I'll, I'll go in a barn and decide, okay, do we have a set of easy keepers that need a balancer? Do we have a set of medium keepers that need a moderate calorie performance feed? And then maybe do we have some hard keepers? But, um, I try to encourage people to not make things harder than they need to be. And there are a lot of products out there that have already been really well balanced for you. So just picking the right one is, is the main thing. Absolutely. And Dr. Phillips, Claudette in Northern Ireland wants to know the pros and cons of a 100% forage based diet for a show horse. So that's a great question. Um, and, you know, that kind of goes back to the previous one that I asked about sort of what type of show horse is this a horse that 
um, is mostly shown on the line or sort of in uh, dressage or lower intensity type of work, or is it a show jumper? Because that's going to impact not just the amount of calories that the horse needs, but also maybe what those calories or where those calories are coming from. Um, and so certainly if you have horses that maybe have um, lower calorie requirements, then certainly a horse can meet their um, energy, their calorie needs from forages only. Um, you know, especially if it's a good quality uh, forage. Um, and in fact, a lot of people kind of forget how good forage really is at contributing calories. Um, the problem is, is that sometimes if you've got a horse that has higher calorie requirements, a horse might not be able to physically eat that much forage to be able to take in the calories they need. And so that's usually when we tend to think about our concentrates, like our grains and things like that. Um, but if a horse is able to meet its energy needs, and of course that would be you know, determined by seeing how it is during riding and making sure that it's maintaining its body weight over long term, then you at least would know that their calories are being met. But then you'd also want to make sure that um, that hay in the forage that you're feeding has got sufficient protein. And again, sort of that good quality protein with amino acids, you need to make sure that it's providing, you'll probably still need to provide some extra electrolytes and salts and stuff if they're working hard and losing all that sweat. Um, and then just kind of topping up the uh, vitamins, if it's a, a hay, for example, or something that's been stored for a long time, it might have lower amounts of vitamins A and E. So, you know, it might depend on looking at that horse and maybe evaluating the quality of the forage that you're looking at. Great question. Dr. Dunaway, our next question is from Mariana in Hungary who would like to know if brewer's yeast is safe for horses and if there are any benefits to feeding it. Good question. I feel like yeast is one of those things that pops up all the time in a lot of different products, feeds, supplements, all different species, etc. And it gets a lot of different benefits attributed to it. I mean, anything from digestion to calming to itchiness, take your pick. And I think um, there are certainly are some yeast products out there that do have some data behind them that have been researched in very specific ways to show um, a few targeted benefits. However, I think a lot of yeast gets fed just because of the idea that it's going to improve digestion in some way. And I think mostly that idea goes back to some work that was done with adding yeast to some forage-based diets and seeing an improvement in digestibility of that forage. But what people don't realize is that work was done with really poor quality forage, not what we would typically be feeding our performance horses these days. So um, you could probably upgrade basically straw by adding that yeast there. But do I think that in a really good quality, reasonable diet, you're gonna see an improvement in digestibility from adding yeast? Maybe not, but I am aware of some data on immune support and you know inflammation things like that that are from some very specific yeast products so is it safe basically certainly um, i would just look at individual products with a skeptical eye and look for the research and i mean if nothing else it's a decent source of a little bit of protein and some b vitamins and it's not going to unbalance your diet 
Dr. Phillips, Luis in Mexico wants to know the role of yeast, pre and probiotics in the competition horse, especially when they're under stress. Yeah, so that's great. And I think um, Dr. Dunaway did a really nice job sort of explaining some of the research that's been done in yeast and certainly pre and pro probiotics as well. Um, you know, and I think there's, you know, at least some evidence that there might be some benefits to having some kind of, um, you know, gut health type of organism within uh, your feed. And I think pretty much most diets that you can find or concentrates uh, from commercial companies have some kind of yeast or other um, probiotics that are added into them. Um, and I think, you know, when uh, they are under stress, for example, if they're competing and going to different places, you know, I think that is maybe an area that is kind of difficult to really research, but might be an area where some of these can actually really have a bit of a benefit because, you know, maybe they can just kind of keep that gut a little bit more stable when you might be faced with different types of hay. So for example, if you travel across the country for a horse show, you might have a totally different hay source. Or if you go to a different, um, you know, if you go across to Europe or, you know, if you are from uh, Mexico and you're coming up to New York, then there might be different types of feeds available. And so perhaps keeping that hindgut a little bit more stable by making sure that you've got a steady supply of specific um, organisms um, then that might be a way to kind of keep everything a little bit happier as you go through those changes. Absolutely, yeah. Dr. Dunaway, Heather in Alberta wants to know why we are seeing an increase in gut and digestion issues in horses. And she would also like to know what horse owners can do to help their horses if they're experiencing this. Well, I'm impressed with this string of international questions. This is quite the wide ranging group, but as far as whether gut and digestive issues are increasing or not, I think it's partly we're looking for them more and we know more about, you know, I think all of us as horse owners are so much more well-versed in gastric ulcers than we were 20 years ago that we're just so much more familiar with what to look for and we know what to do about it. And there are specific, you know, treatments for those. So I think some of it's a function of that, but probably a lot is also a function of our modern horsekeeping practices and um, potentially their modern sedentary lifestyles in some ways or their modern stressful lifestyles. Um, I would be the first to say I'm not trying to scare anybody into, you know, not managing their horse intensively and taking them to shows and doing all of that, but could be um, contributed to something, some of these issues. So what we can do to manage them as best we can is pretty simple. I would say, A, make sure their diet is based on as much good quality, highly digestible forage as possible. And then on top of that, choose a good, well-formulated concentrate. And then in the horses that do have specific issues, um, we can target those. So gastric ulcers, work with your vet. We know very well how to deal with those at this point and get them treated. And then maintenance and prevention long term. We've got some really effective, you know, gastric buffers that can be fed every day and um, do a good job for the high risk horses. If we're talking about what I'm call hindgut unhappiness, it's 
a little more nebulous still at this point, but diet quality and forage digestibility and quality is a huge part of it. I think a lot of those horses that get the free fecal water and the hindgut unhappiness, some of them really do just get better if you switch them to a softer, nicer hay. So that's always my first place to go. And then um, strategic use of some, you know, there's some commercial products out there that I have seen work for certain horses. So I encourage people to take like a scientific approach, change one thing at a time, evaluate whether it helped that horse and their symptoms or not. And if it didn't, you know, quit feeding that and move on to the next thing rather than just continually stacking every supplement that says it has something to do with gut. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Dr. Phillips, Deborah in Oregon asks, what dietary supplements are best for horses with insulin resistance and equine metabolic syndrome? So that is one of my favorite areas. Um, and I think, you know, the a couple things right off the bat is in general, most horses that have insulin resistance and equine metabolic syndrome are overweight. And so managing that calorie intake and decreasing calorie intake and increasing calorie expenditure through exercise is always going to be um, the most effective uh, thing that you can do. We have um, done some research at NC State where we have had horses um, lose weight through diet and then lose weight through exercise. And exercise actually is really one that's going to improve uh, insulin sensitivity. Um, and so really trying to get them exercising as much as you can. Of course, if a horse is laminitis, then you might have to do some other things. Um, but, you know, certainly getting that weight off of them and being really strict with their diet is always going to be the best thing. And of course, your veterinarian might have other um, things that they might be able to help with. There are some medications that might affect um, metabolic rate and can kind of help uh, shed some of those pounds. Um, the only dietary supplement that I know of that has actually been proven to have a significant effect on insulin sensitivity is uh, chromium propionate. Um, and there are actually a couple different forms of chromium, but only the chromium propionate is the one that has actually um, scientifically been documented to improve insulin sensitivity in horses. Okay. Dr. Dunaway, Susan in Vermont would like to know what the electrolyte needs of an endurance horse are during distance competition. Well, uh, that could be an entire lecture on its own, and I will not claim to be the foremost expert in specifically endurance horse electrolyte um, strategies, because I know there is quite a bit of strategy, strategy to it, depending on who you talk to. But there are a few definite principles that I think we can all agree on. Um, first off, um, the most important electrolytes are sodium, potassium, and chloride. And those are kind of the base that you need to be looking for to be in their program day in, day out, at least you know when they're in their sweating season. If they've got a layoff time or something like that, I'll sometimes just switch to plain salt rather than a formulated electrolyte. But during their working time, you need a good quality electrolyte. And then when they're at their peak work, you may look at formulations that also include some minerals. So that's where the calcium and magnesium um, might come into the formula a little further. Um, there's 
like I said, a lot of strategy, depending on who you talk to in terms of pre-loading before a, an especially long race versus trying to stave off any deficits by um, dosing them within your holds and then how you're gonna um, refill everything that they've lost after the race. Um, but in general, I think having going into that event in a really good place and having a really good day-to-day -day electrolyte program is um, at least the foundation. And by a good quality electrolyte, I mean one that is mostly electrolytes and is not based um, in sugar and doesn't necessarily have dextrose as the first ingredient. You want it to be mostly, you know, electrolytes. And, you know, some of that is going to depend on your horse's preferences and their pickiness. And I think it's always worth mentioning that um, the big doses of paste electrolytes can be misused. And it um, is definitely uh, makes me nervous to have people dosing those on a horse that isn't necessarily drinking in the hopes that you're going to encourage them to drink because um, large amounts of electrolytes on a dehydrated horse can really get you into trouble quickly. So making sure they're coming along with feed and water is always a good plan. And going along with that, Dr. Dunaway, Deborah in Australia asks if it's safe to make her own electrolyte mix for her harness racing horses who compete in a hot climate and are also fed salt with their normal feed. Um, I'm sure that some people have dialed in a good home blend. I think if you're following some established principles as far as the formulation of electrolytes, um, you could do a good job. There are things that we definitely do know about the ratios of sodium, potassium, and chloride in horse sweat. So if we're trying to mirror what they're losing, um, I think you could potentially do a good job there. Uh, there are also a lot of good quality products out on the market that are reasonably priced. So you might want to reduce your risk a little bit and just go with one of those. But um, for in a hot climate, if they're racing, I think it is worth adding something um, more than just the plain salt that's in their feed already. Sure. Dr. Pratt Phillips, Judy in Virginia, wants to know the potential dangers of feeding multiple supplements and concentrated feeds to a performance horse while limiting hay and grass. Uh, so this, yeah, this question is a little worrying because um, first off, I would want to know why you would be limiting hay and grass. And the only thing I could think of is that for some disciplines and especially for racehorses, you're worried about the weight of hay or maybe you're worried about like a hay belly type of appearance um, but in terms of the health of the horse you really do need to have hay grass um, forages be the you know majority of the horse's diet so and if you don't have that if you've got too much um, concentrated feeds um, you're really running a very high risk for digestive upset like colic gastric ulcers primarily um, and that horse is really not going to do very well. Um, so that would be kind of my, my big question is why you would be doing that. But certainly um, you should always try to prioritize uh, forages. And if you do have to limit them for you know, whatever reasons, you do wanna make sure that you're trying to maximize 
them as much as you possibly can. Um, you know, and if you're feeding multiple supplements and concentrates, um, you know, you really have to have sort of a good mathematician or somebody with Excel, a nutritionist who can actually add up all of the different nutrients that are in all of those different supplements or concentrates, because it's very easy to uh, go over with some uh, nutrients when you supplement them. And so a lot of people will feed, um, you know, perhaps a concentrate and it's perfectly balanced and it's fed in the correct amounts. And then maybe they feed another supplement and then they feed something else. And then if you actually add up all of those different nutrients, you might see, you know, something like selenium is too high or, um, you know, some other nutrients. So, you know, my first question is kind of, why would you be doing that? Um, and if you have to, then I would be very, very careful. And I would really make sure that you work with a, a equine nutritionist who's, you know, got experts in balancing diets and really looking out for uh, your horse and what they're getting in from those, all, all of those different supplements and concentrates. Now on the topic of forage, Dr. Phillips, Grethel from Costa Rica in our live audience is curious mm -hmm. whether you recommend forage only diets for maintaining competition horses or do they always need some type of feed? And if you do recommend they always have some type of feed, what ingredients would you recommend? So, so that's a great question. It kind of comes down to one I answered earlier about you know, so yes, horses can meet all of their calorie requirements on forages and forages are like the base main important part of a horse's diet. Um, and you could potentially feed a competition horse to meet their calorie requirements if they're relatively low and you can feed enough forages. Um, but the problem is forages are not always balanced for a lot of nutrients that horses need. And so you'd have to be very careful testing those forages um, to make sure that they've got the correct amounts of, you know, my, vitamins and mineral, well, vitamins um, will always be lacking in hay. So you're, you're probably going to have to add some vitamin E and A um, if it's just, um, you know, stored forages like hay. Um, but even things like copper and zinc, selenium, um, you know, quite a few different nutrients might be low if you're only feeding hay. And so while forages you know, I love the forage first and all forage types of diets. The reality is, is that all forages are not 100% balanced for what horses need. Um, and so again, it kind of comes down to doing the math and looking at the hay analysis and looking at what nutrients are provided for by the hay and then looking at what the horse needs and whatever's still missing, that's where you're going to have to go in um, with a ration balance or direct specific supplements to make sure that your horse is meeting all of those. Great, thank you. Dr. Dunaway, Pauline in France asks how to calculate the amount of minerals your horse needs in their diet. And she also asks about the dangers of overfeeding minerals. Yeah, so I guess this goes back to a few things we've hit on already, but calculating their requirements. So there has been a lot of foundational work. We have published nutrient requirements in the NRC on what we've agreed that at least the minimum requirements are for the nutrients that we've established. We've even been able to establish a requirement for, and we've got that for horses of all different stages and of development and levels of work at different body weights. So that information is available in some, some very um, detailed tables from the NRC. And that's what we always go back to to make sure we're meeting our minimums. Now, 
is that necessarily what we're always trying to shoot for in our performance horses diet, the minimum? No. I think through a lot of work that um, has been done over time, we have found maybe more optimum levels of certain nutrients rather, you know, above and beyond just the minimum. But on the other side of that, does that mean more is always better? No. So you can't just go looking at feed tags and pick the one that has the highest numbers for all the nutrients. So um, figuring all this out for yourself can be a little tricky. I mentioned that little online tool from the NRC. That is like a bare bones place to start. Um, past that, again, I think you, you choose a product that suits that horse's calorie needs, that's really well fortified with at least the nutrients that we know we have requirements established for, and then how you make sure you're not overdoing anything. Um, Dr. Phillips touched on this a little bit ago. Um, you can you know, if you're stacking multiple broad spectrum supplements on top of an already well fortified feed, you're definitely going to be doing more than is necessary in a lot of nutrients, maybe not to a harmful degree, maybe you're just creating a lot of expensive urine. But um, the one nutrient that is the easiest to overdo is selenium. So you definitely at least want to get familiar with the math on PPM and how many milligrams in the diet you're contributing and be able to stay within a pretty narrow range on that. And again, enlisting the help of a nutritionist is really handy in these cases. Um, I don't know if that answers their question completely and I don't know the availability of nutritionists to the public in France. So um, feel free to give us a call if you need to. <laughs> And on that topic, Dr. Dunaway, Jesse from our live audience is curious about what place branch-chained amino acids have for performance horses and what is the best way to supply them in a ration? Ah, well, um, the, the big three amino acids that everybody's familiar with tend to get all the attention, lysine, methionine, threonine, but past that, there's all of these there's a set of these others that are the branch chain amino acids that are very important, especially for your really hardworking, repetitive working performance horses. And um, I know at least in human nutrition, people who work out are pretty familiar with the concept of drinking your BCAAs after you work out at the gym and it decreases muscle soreness. And it does the exact same thing for horses. Those are smaller in quantity needed, but they're really important for helping knit your muscles back together after hard workouts. And um, there are some supplements out there on the market that are targeted amino acid supplements. Some of them do have a good profile of the branch chains in them as well. It may not necessarily be listed up front in the guaranteed analysis, but um, I encourage you to call the company and get a, a more complete analysis if you're really interested in the branch chains. And then as far as just feed ingredients that we use, um, actually corn is a good source of branch chain amino acids. And one place that that comes into play um, in applied nutrition is, um, you know, horses with liver disease, um, it can actually be helpful to feed them a 
um, textured feed, you know, a, a sweet feed, you might call it, because um, A, you're getting more energy from carbs and relying less on fat, which takes pressure off of the liver, and you're supplying some BCAAs from the corn. So um, that's another place they're naturally occurring. Great, thank you. Dr. Phillips, Stephanie in California wants to know if a diet of 80% TEF and 20% alfalfa will provide enough energy for an insulin-resistant competitive trail horse traveling 35 to 60 miles over two days. So that is a great question. And um, it's also a really challenging question because I have no idea how many calories that horse or how much energy that horse is actually getting from that hay. Um, and, and that's based on, we don't know the calorie content of that hay, and we don't know how much of it they're getting. And so if we think about it from the other standpoint, we think, okay, this is a pretty hardworking horse covering potentially 60 miles in a day, um, or sort of, sorry, 35 miles. You know, that horse might be requiring up to, you know, 30 megacalories per day if it's sort of a 500 kilogram type of horse. And so if we think about the energy content of most haze, um, let's be, you know, if there's enough, um, you know, it's only 20% alfalfa, but let's even pretend that that hay has got two megacals per kilogram, um, you know, as sort of like, as you weigh it, fresh weight type of thing, um, you know, to get 30 megacalories into that horse, that would be 15 kilograms of hay. Um, which is like 3% of a horse's body weight. And some horses really just can't actually eat that much. Um, you know, and that hay probably even is a little bit lower with that much TEF. It might be closer to like 1.7, 1.8 megacalories. And so now we're talking about feeding a horse maybe 35 pounds or more of hay just to meet those um, calorie requirements. So, you know, it might just be a little bit of a stretch. Um, I realize, you know, with a horse that's insulin resistant, you want to be kind of careful on those starch calories, and that's probably why you're opting for that TEF hay, um, you know, but you might need to provide some additional calories, maybe something um, like beet pulp might be a really good option. It's pretty tasty for a lot of horses. You could even mix in some oil, which would be an excellent source of calories for your horse. Um, and then you can also, you know, very easily hide in some electrolytes that your horse probably needs as they're doing all that work. And then that would also be relatively low in those non-structural carbohydrates for your insulin resistant type of horse. But, you know, feeding that much calories from what's generally a relatively low calorie density hay, you know, your horse just might not be able to eat that much. Dr. Dunaway, Margaret in Wisconsin asks for tips to keep weight on older competition horses. Okay, well, I guess it depends on how old and whether they've started to look old or not. So um, if, if I tell people they turn into a real senior, a true senior that needs a senior complete feed with forage built in once their teeth or their guts start to go. So if you're seeing them dropping quids or they're not holding weight on the same old amount of hay they've always eaten, then it's time to put them on a complete feed. And by that, I mean one that has forage built in like a traditional senior feed even if maybe they are still competing at a high level, we can support them through that. But if we're talking about just the 
getting up their later career performance horse that's starting to need a little bit of extra help, I'm going to choose um, a concentrate that's really nutrient and calorie dense, probably if we're not talking about the easy keeper. Um, so something that, I mean, there are performance feeds that are targeted for more senior horses that are still active. And those are, you know, just especially nutrient dense and um, have good availability of nutrients. And I just want to uh, pick the right concentrate for them. And then there are some special additives that, you know, here and there do have some research behind them to support the different body systems of older horses. Um, I think if you're talking about things like joint support, you're better off doing that in a much more targeted way, not necessarily through the feed. I would just work with your vet on that. But um, in general, I think supporting their muscle mass also becomes really important to help them stay strong over their top line to help stave off maybe the back soreness and the other problems that could come along. So just treat them like a, a special performance horse and keep an eye out on how many calories it seems like they're able to get out of hay and consider that at some point you might need to switch them to definitely the good barn hay instead of maybe what they've been able to maintain weight on um, maybe previously in their careers. Dr. Phillips, Tanner in Virginia asks what the calorie difference is between feeding grain versus a forage pellet, assuming that the horse already gets a ration balancer feed. That's great. This is like all math, which I love. And you know, <laughs> high school, they always say you'll never use math, but you actually do as a nutritionist. Um, and so I'm always thinking about calories and calories density in different types of foods. And so, um, you know, a grain, you know, there are lots of different types of grains. If you're talking about like the whole grains, like oats and corn, or even if you're thinking about commercial grain mixes, you know, most of those have got somewhere between maybe 3.5 to maybe 4.2 uh, mega calories per kilogram. Um, you know, how much a kilogram in, of course, you know, it depends on what type of food it is, if it's pelleted or texture. Um, but you know, grains are usually a little bit higher in calorie density per unit weight. Meanwhile, forage pellets, because they're made of hays that have got more fiber, um, those are a little bit less digestible for horses. And so the digestible energy, the energy that's available in a forage pellet might be closer to, you know, maybe two megacalories per kilogram. It's going to be closer to that of hay. Um, now, of course, the difference is if the horse is already getting a ration balance or feed, um, and if it's being fed in the proper amounts, then it's probably providing the correct amounts of calcium and phosphorus and, you know, some of these amino acids that have been talked about and other um, minerals and vitamins. And so if you're looking for the grains to not really do anything um, other than provide a couple more calories, you know, a grain is going to pack a little bit more whammy in terms of calories than a forage pellet. Um, Again, if we go back to those grains, so it really is depending on what you're talking about, because if you're feeding a, you know, a commercial feed that's already been, you know, formulated and perhaps has some of these additional nutrients, then you might actually be adding, you know, perhaps too much selenium or too much of some of these different minerals. Meanwhile, a forage pellet is going to be a little bit more sort of benign and basic um, and 
um, you know, that might be a little bit safer. Um, meanwhile, you know, if you wanted to go and add oats, for example, as a grain, um, they're great because they've got a whole lot of calories or, you know, sort of closer, well, maybe about 3.6 megacals per kilogram. Um, but oats and a lot of the plain cereal grains actually have an inverted calcium to phosphorus ratio. And so if you actually feed too many sort of whole grains, you can actually disrupt what the ration balancer is doing. Um, so I guess it kind of comes down to, you know, what you need the calories for. Um, you know, if you're trying to choose between a, a grain, a whole grain or a grain mix or a forage pellet, um, you know, sort of what the reasons that you're doing that for. Um, again, perhaps maybe also what type of work your horse is doing. Um, but it kind of requires kind of, you know, working with the nutritionist to kind of look at the whole diet and figure out what might be the best way to add calories. Because if you really only need calories, then you might just consider adding in some oil or other fat source. And on the subject of ration balancer, Dr. Phillips, Christine in California wants to know if she should feed a ration balancer to her performance horses who are already on a complete feed and have access to forage. Um, so uh, that's a great question. Complete feed, um, you know, has slightly different connotations. I'm presuming she means just a commercially available feed that has been formulated and balanced for a specific type of horse. And if she is feeding that and she is feeding it in the recommended amounts on the feed tag, then she is already meeting that horse's protein and vitamin and mineral requirements based on that NRC. Um, so, you know, as long as she's feeding the correct amounts of that sort of commercial type of feed and she's got plenty of access to forage, then that's probably okay. Um, you know, the ration balancer is kind of like, you know, you don't need to take a, a yourself, you don't need to take vitamins if you've already got a really good diet. Um, you know, and in your horse, if they're feeding a commercial feed and they've got good quality hay, you don't need to go and add on even more vitamins and minerals through a ration balancer. Now, if they're being fed something and um, something specific is still low, so for example, you've tested your hay and you've realized that it's especially low in copper and your uh, commercial feed still doesn't give you enough, then maybe you, all you need is a copper supplement as opposed to a general um, ration balancer uh, to add all of those additional things as well. Dr. Dunaway, Jessica in New Jersey wants to know what nutritional <coughs> needs or changes need to be addressed in senior horses or ponies that are still showing. Yeah, so that goes a little bit back to that last senior horse question. I think uh, evaluate them really critically and decide if A, they have any signs of dental deficit at all. And even if they don't, even if they are eating their hay really good and they're great hay eaters, if they're starting to quote unquote look old um, and not maintain weight and body condition as well as they used to on that same amount of hay, that tells you that their internal machinery just isn't doing as good a job as it used to at getting the calories out of that hay. And either you need to switch to a much more digestible hay or think about moving them to a true senior feed with one that can you know, bring some more forage calories to the table. Um, if they're not in that camp and they're just getting older, um, 
I would say treat them like the, the special performance horse. And it's like I was mentioning before, there are some feeds out there that are meant to support aging performance horses. And, um, you know, this might be the rare case where I could see stacking a balancer on top of a formulated feed if they're kind of medium keepers and they don't need very much regular feed, but as they're aging, they do need extra help maintaining their muscle mass um, and you're kind of riding that minimum amount of their regular feed. Those are cases where I could see top dressing a, a small amount of ration balancer to help kind of help fortify up the diet and boost it a bit just to make up for potentially their lower absorption and utilization of some nutrients. But it may also just be time to switch up to a higher calorie density feed. Um, there's a lot of performance feeds out there at all spots on the spectrum in terms of calorie density. So it may just be time for them to bump up the next rung on the ladder. Thank you. And since we are about at 8.45, we have 15 minutes left. So if anyone in the audience has performance horse nutrition questions to ask, please put them in the chat. Dr. Phillips, Chantel in Pennsylvania wants to know the best source of quiet calories for a hot horse that is a hard keeper. Yeah, that's a great question. I've kind of alluded to it a little bit too. So when we think about like quiet calories or hot calories or whatever, um, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a myth or I don't know, but you know, some horses are definitely sensitive to dietary sugars. Um, and I kind of call it the kid eating a candy bar type of effect where some horses, you know, just if you feed them too much sort of starchy, sugary things, they really are, you know, kind of a little bit harder to handle. Um, and so in those types of horses, you want to try to feed them so that you're avoiding too much starch and sugar. And of course, the most energy dense type of feed that you can give a horse is fat. So, you know, even earlier I was talking about forages, maybe having two megacals per kilogram and some cereal grains, maybe having closer to four megacalories per kilogram fat. So vegetable oil has got nine megacalories per kilogram. So it's got like more than twice the amount of calories per kilogram as as oats even, or, you know, corn. Um, now you might not be able to feed your horse that much fat, um, but you can actually get away with a pre pretty decent amount of it. Um, most horses will tolerate up to about two cups, measuring cups per day. Um, and that can actually pack on quite a few calories that can add on, you know, almost up to five megacalories per day. Um, and usually I like to introduce fat and vegetable oil um, sort of slowly, um, start with maybe an ounce per meal and then kind of increase it. If you notice their poop starts to get shiny, it means you kind of hit that maximum. That horse isn't really absorbing it anymore. And those, the fat and the oil is kind of coming out in the poop. So keep an eye on it. Um, but you can certainly increase that fat um, as long as the horse will eat it. And that's a great, cool source of calories. Dr. Dunway, Gustavo in Virginia would like to know how to feed a horse to help them build muscle. This is 
I think people's favorite thing to talk about with performance horses, um, because we all like them to be nice and round and muscled up. So first off, I know everybody runs to protein first, but first you need to make sure they have enough calories because if their ribs are showing and they're in any kind of calorie deficit at all, and I mean even just riding the line, like um, on the verge of maybe um, if they lost a few pounds, their ribs would start to show. If you're in that situation, you can pour all the protein and good quality amino acids into them you want, and they are not going to utilize it for the muscle building that you want. They'll burn it up for energy, and you know, building muscle takes energy and structural building blocks. So fix any kind of calorie deficit you have first, and then bring along protein with that. So um, usually like when I put a horse on a weight gain program, um, you the weight most of the time you're after, if you're trying to put on like a whole body condition score, you're wanting muscle and fat to come along together. So um, kind of same concept with muscle to some degree, make sure you've got enough calories to fill in the structural building blocks around all those amino acids. But then yes, it is a lot about amino acids, good quality protein. Um, by that, I mean, there's crappy sources of protein out there that horses don't utilize very well. That would be things like dried distillers, grains, and um, uh, cheap proteins. And then there's really good quality protein sources like soybean meal because it more closely matches the amino acid profile of horse muscle. And then um, individual amino acids. So um, ways we make sure we get a specific stack of amino acids in a feed or a supplement commercially is that we do everything we can with the ingredients, you know, soybean meal, alfalfa meal, etc. And then we go back in and top it up with individual purified amino acids to get the exact balance that we're after. So um, a good quality feed that's got a good amino acid profile. And if you're already on that and they're already in good shape and you just need extra muscle help, a targeted supplement would probably be my next move. And the right kind of work, somebody riding them who can get them using themselves correctly. Also on that topic, Dr. Dunway, Caroline in Australia asks, what is the optimum time to feed amino acids before and after exercise for best protein utilization and muscle building? Yeah, so um, a lot of it is what you're doing day in, day out, every single meal. So making sure they're getting good quality protein sources in every meal. But there is some strategy to if you're adding additional amino acid supplementation, um, if if they're, you know, working to a, at least a pretty decent degree, um, after you cool them out and put them away, their window for the best uptake and utilization of those amino acids is probably within the first hour or so after work. So I tell people if they do wanna be extra strategic about their performance horse, that they can um, do a little after workout, you know, uh, protein shake kind of snack where maybe it's it's a small small meal with their protein supplement added in. Dr. Phillips, Stacy in New York asks what the benefits are of feeding bead pulp beet pulp to performance horses. 
that's great. I, I love beet pulp. Um, I think it is a really wonderful high fiber option for a lot of horses. Um, it can be great because you can feed a relatively large amount of it. Um, and it's relatively safe. So it is made up of mostly fiber and it's sort of soluble types of fibers. So it's not quite as low in energy density as hay. Um, but, oh, it looks like I might, I hope I can, you guys can still hear me. It looks like I might've gone offline a bit, but um, sorry good. about that. So, it, okay. Um, so, you know, beet pulp is kind of a little bit between hay and sort of your grains because it's got some uh, fiber that's really readily usable by horses. And so, um, you know, when you're trying to increase the calorie intake in your horses and maybe, you know, they just won't eat any more hay and you're worried about feeding them too many uh, concentrates because you might be worried about starch or ulcers or whatever else. Um, beet pulp might be a really good alternative to kind of add in some calories that are not necessarily from traditional cereal grains and a whole lot of starch. Um, beet pulp is also really great because a lot of performance horses might have, um, you know, additional um, medications or supplements that they're getting as well. So um, beet pulp, because it's a little bit, uh, it's fed sort of soaked and it's, you know, a little bit different texture. You can often mix and add a lot of different things into it and the horses will still eat it. So for example, you could add in some fat, maybe for some more calories. You could add in some electrolytes and get some electrolytes into there. If you've got any, you know, some immediate protein supplements that you want to add in. It's really good for kind of masking in some um, different types of feeds because it's kind of fed wet like that. So it just kind of mixes them all in. Dr. Dunway, Kana, Donna in Colorado wants to know how to keep a pregnant mare fit without increasing her energy too much. Okay. Um, if you have a mare that you're going to keep showing during gestation, uh, the degree you're going to be able to do that is definitely individual to the mare um, and it depends on how far along they are. So for the first and second trimester and early to mid gestation, their nutrient needs are still just very similar to that of a performance horse. They haven't really ramped up. They haven't gotten to the point where they're starting to put a lot of both calories and nutrients towards fetal development. So I would just treat her basically like a performance horse, monitor body condition. Um, I would say keep her in a, you know, a healthy weight calorie wise, but start to fortify up her nutrients um, potentially a little bit more in preparation, especially for that last trimester. So um, by the time you're in late gestation, I definitely want her to She's probably going to be ready to be done showing, but um, even before you get to that, um, making sure she's on a program that's fortified for growth. So that might mean adding a balancer to her performance feed or just switching her to a growth feed, depending on her calorie needs. And, um, you know, just read, read the room, read how she's feeling when her balance starts to be affected, but just keep her in a healthy weight and with really good protein, vitamin, and minerals fortification. Dr. Phillips, Suzanne in Nevada wants to know how she can make sure that her easy-keeping elite endurance horses are getting the energy they need while on a low NSC diet. 
So, you know, that's always a great question. And, you know, we've kind of talked about like protein and some different minerals and stuff like that. And the beauty of calories and energy is that it's really the only nutrient that you can kind of look at a horse and see, yes, they are meeting their requirements or no, they're not. And that's just by looking at their body condition score. So if you've got a horse and you are, you know, you've got elite endurance horses and they are successfully completing the rides and are sort of maintaining body weight throughout those rides, um, then yes, you are doing a good job in terms of their calorie intake. Um, a lot of times, you know, if you, it's, it's kind of hard to do because um, body condition scores, uh, you know, like sometimes it's sort of fine lines as you're looking through the different body condition scores. But even if you took a photo sort of before and after, um, you know, sort of the hundred milers and the sort of longer ones, you know, some horses will actually lose some body condition over that ride. But if they're still able to uh, finish that ride, because that's, you know, there are some studies showing that if they're too thin, they're just not going to be able to do it. Uh, but if they're able to finish that ride and maintain their body condition score to some degree, um, then, you know, it's easy to say, okay, then yes, I am feeding enough calories. And Dr. Dunway, our last question of the night will be from Lynn in our live audience who would like to know what suggestions do you have for feeding a performance horse with a history of gastric ulcers? Okay. Um, first off, I would make sure they're getting as much good quality hay as possible for as much of the day as possible. Sometimes it could be a vicious cycle because if their stomach hurts, they don't want to eat their hay. And then because they're not eating their hay, their stomach's going to hurt. And some ulcery horses do become really picky hay eaters. So that's why getting them treated and breaking that cycle and getting them eating their hay really well again is so important just to start with. But then past that, um, it's all about trickle feed, having something in their stomach for as much of the day as possible, maybe splitting their concentrate meals up into smaller, more frequent meals, going back and doing a late night, you know, one more flake of hay toss if, you know, they're finishing their dinner pretty early in the evening, things like that. And past that, um, targeted use of some good research-backed prevention additives, um, there is some good data there. So they're not going to heal your ulcers by any means. And once you work with your vet, get them healed, then moving forward to prevent recurrence or just keep a more high risk course comfortable. There are some really effective gastric buffers. Um, the idea is not to raise the pH of their stomach 24 seven. It's just the idea of giving them a break from the acid erosion. So the more hours per day they spend above a certain pH, the less cumulative acid in salt you get to that squamous layer and the less likely they are to recur and the more comfortable the horse is going to be under saddle. So, um, you know, choose some, a few supplements out there um, carefully, look at the data behind them, and then lots of good forage as no standing around with empty stomach. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, that is all the time that we have tonight. I want to thank both of our panelists for joining us. Yeah, anytime. Thank you. You bet. And thank you to Purina Animal Nutrition for sponsoring this event. Finally, thank you to our audience for listening and sending in these great questions.
If you're listening to us after the live event as a podcast episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend Ask the Horse Live to a friend. Until next time, from everyone at the horse, have a great night.